Hello and welcome to the NicheSiteTools.com podcast where we share experiences, tips, and tools to help everyone achieve a greater level of success with their online adventures. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 104 of the NicheSiteTools.com podcast. So glad to have you here. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about five tips that you need to know before buying a website. And this week's episode idea came from Marvin, who had purchased a couple of websites from Flippa, and he had asked me to take a look at them, uh, see what I thought, and provide some feedback if I could. And based on our interactions over this past week, I thought this would be a great podcast episode in case anybody else out there has ever considered buying websites on a site like Flippa or any of the other sites out there that are similar, and I'll tell you what to look out for and some gotchas you might run into. But before we do that, I wanted to quickly thank our sponsor for this week, which is Web Hosting Hub. That is a great hosting company that I've utilized for over five years, and you can get a great discount by going through my link at nichesitetools.com forward slash hosting. You'll get over 50% off their regular prices for hosting, and through my discounted link, nichesitetools.com forward slash hosting, you'll get an additional 20% off, which is the best rate you'll find anywhere. And with all of their plans, you get 24 by 7 US-based customer support, a 90-day money-back guarantee, free domain name, unlimited hosting as far as space goes. And for anyone with existing websites, they also offer free domain transfer services so that you can seamlessly transfer your sites from your existing provider over to Web Hosting Hub. Again, to get that special rate, all you need to do is go to nichesitetools.com forward slash hosting. So I had a quick dramatic pause there. What exactly was that, you might be asking? A sponsored message. This is something I'm trying out new. And that is a result of several podcasts I've listened to over the last two or three weeks. And typically, I don't believe in coincidences. I kind of believe that everything happens for a reason, and you attract the things that are at the forefront of your mind or the things you've been thinking about. And along those same lines, things will appear to you when you're ready to receive them, that type of thing. So I was listening to three separate podcast episodes, like I mentioned. One was Amy Porterfield, one was James Martell, and the other was Noah Kagan. And in all the episodes, they were talking about selling on a podcast or selling in general, the importance of selling and all sorts of things related to selling. And it really boiled down to you're putting forth your effort on whatever content you're putting out there, not specifically related to a podcast, but podcasting was one of the things that two of those episodes talked about. And the episodes were really hitting home the idea of your audience expects you to sell something. And a lot of times you're doing a disservice to your audience if you're not doing that. You're basically providing your time for free for your audience. And of course, they're most likely going to be appreciative of that. But when you provide value to your audience, they're going to want to reciprocate in some way. And if you're not providing them an opportunity to pay you back for your time and effort that you provided, you're doing yourself a disservice and them. And I thought about that a bit just from my own experiences of different people out there whose websites I've been to. And if they provided some sort of discount for a product I was interested in, or they helped me in some way accomplish a goal or help me achieve something, I wanted to have a way to pay them back. So that really started to make a lot of sense. And I also thought about all the different podcasts that I listen to and all of them, every single one of them does some form of either sponsorship or advertising or some mentioning of specific products that usually you'll get some sort of discount or some sort of deal when they mention them. And if you go through that link, 
they'll get an affiliate commission in some way. For instance, Dave Ramsey podcast talks about blinds.com all the time, talks about um, Xander Insurance. Every single podcast episode has multiple advertising opportunities in it. And the same goes for askpat.com. Same goes for Amy Porterfield. They mention different products that relate to online business that you might want to utilize. And if you appreciate the information they're giving out, you can go through their link, use their product, and that'll be your way of thanking them for the information that they've provided over the years. Makes perfect sense. It's something that I've done for other people and other people have done for me. And it's just something that I don't do all that often, but all of those episodes says you really need to do that and you need to do it more often and consistently because people will be happy to pay you back for your time and effort. So that was really a different way of looking at things. I'd never thought of it that way in that if you're not providing your audience with an opportunity to pay you back, you're doing a disservice to them. It's definitely something that I want to experiment with more going forward. So you will most likely hear something like that in each episode at some point, maybe beginning, middle or end. And it may relate to the particular episode if it makes sense, if there's a particular product that I promote that goes really along well with a particular podcast episode, I will try to sprinkle that in. But in general, everybody needs website hosting. So if you're listening to this, chances are you either have hosting or are considering signing up for web hosting because you want to create some websites and bring in some passive income. So if you ever did want to say thanks for all the great content I've been putting out there, you can always head over to nichesitetools.com forward slash hosting and sign up for either a new account or you can transfer your existing sites over and you'll be in great company because a lot of us out there in the nichesitetools.com audience utilize and love their service. And now let's get right into the content for this week. And as I mentioned, today's episode is going to be entitled Five Tips You Need to Know Before Buying a Website. And this idea again came from Marvin and we were talking back and forth via email and he said he recently purchased a couple of sites through Flippa and one other site and he wanted me to take a quick look see what I thought about the site, provide him some feedback if I could, and I was glad to do so. He had responded to the email that I sent out shortly after he subscribed, asking what he was working on, so I appreciate the response on that. And I definitely took a look at his websites, and I thought they looked great. And the primary concern that I had was the potential for duplicate content. I was clicking through one of the websites, and I won't give away the niche or any details, but clicking through the articles, I recognized some of them, not directly, you know, not word for word, but I had seen some articles like that previously within the last week or so, and I clicked through several of the posts, and I read through some of them, and then I saw that they all had source links at the bottom, and then when I clicked over to the source link, it was basically the original article in its entirety and it had just been repurposed on his site. So I asked him, are these sites kind of just aggregators of content? And he said, yes, that's definitely what they are. And the way the sites work is they automatically pull in content from other sites and utilize it on their site. So you're providing a full link to the original content, but the problem is that that could lend itself to a lot of duplicate content. So what I did was I plugged his website into a duplicate content checker, and sure enough, it was reporting a high amount of duplicate content for his one website that I was looking at. 
So we got to talking back and forth and we were exchanging ideas on some things that I've done when I've searched for websites on sites like Flippa in the past. And I asked him some of the information he used when he was trying to vet out some of these sites and I created a quick five-step checklist. And what I'm going to do so you don't need to write anything down, many of you are probably on the go, in the car, at the gym, taking a walk, who knows. So you're not going to be able to write anything down. So you can go to nichesitetools.com forward slash five tips and you will get these five tips you need to know before buying a website. And I will mention that again at the end of the show as well. So let's go through those tips for you now. So the first tip, especially when buying websites from sites like Flippa and those, take advantage of the services they have and make sure that you try to vet as well you can the different sellers on the platform. If you go to flippa.com, that's the marketplace that we're going to talk about mostly today. And if you go there, there's different types of sites that you can purchase. You can purchase just domain names. You can purchase ready-made websites and they're in varying stages of completion. So you could purchase a website that's brand new. A lot of them are brand new or relatively new within the last couple of months. And depending on what you're looking for, you one of these different types of sites might meet your needs. You might be somebody that doesn't know a lot about setting up a website. And while it's really easy to do with hosting providers like Web Hosting Hub, they have one-click WordPress installs. They help you out. They can provide support. So it's really, really easy to get going on a WordPress website. But if you really don't want to focus your time on doing that, you're not really good at design, maybe you just want to buy a website that's ready-made for you, but it doesn't have necessarily a lot of content. So they just did the framework for you, and then you can go out there and start creating content. That might be one type of website. There's a lot of other websites that have some sort of level of established traffic, have some sort of level of sales, and on there now, where they didn't previously, they now have Shopify sites out there, so you could purchase dropshipping websites. They now have Amazon FBA sites, so you could buy fulfillment by Amazon websites that people have already set up to sell different products that you could potentially purchase. So there's a lot of different options out there. And right up front, I just want to be clear, I'm not necessarily recommending Flippa as the one and only place to go. I'm not an affiliate. That's just one of the biggest marketplaces out there that everybody knows about. And that's really one of the first places people usually go when interested in purchasing a website. So that first tip is to try to vet those sellers as best you possibly can. And they have a rating system that'll show you how many websites the person has sold, their feedback from customers that purchased websites. So ideally, you're really looking for somebody that has sold a number of different websites, has great 100% feedback or somewhere close to it. Similar when purchasing a product, you want to see good reviews for that product and good feedback from people that have purchased it. You want the same thing from somebody that purchased websites on Flippa if possible. And the problem is there's a lot of sellers out there that only have one website. They may not have a picture. They may not have any feedback. So those are kind of red flags. Of course, there could be people that have built up a website and they only have one website and they decided they don't want to do it anymore. So there could be people that are only selling one website and those you want to be really careful with because obviously you have nothing to go off when it comes to feedback. So whenever possible, absolutely try and vet that person. And some of the other things to look out for are common sense type of things. You know, make sure they have a normal looking picture. If somebody doesn't bother to put forth the effort to put a picture out there, chances are they could be a fly by night type of person that's just trying to offload a website. Not always, but 
you know, those types of things. If you can find somebody with the more websites they've sold, the better, the better the feedback, the more normal looking picture they have. All those things can definitely help just as a rudimentary type of way to try to vet out that person that's selling that website. And one other key factor when it comes to a seller is do they provide support? So you're going to want somebody that will provide support as far as either transferring their website over to your existing hosting provider or providing some sort of service after the sale to help you get things going. If you run into any issues, you're not sure how to use the theme that they have utilized on their site, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of different questions you might have after making the purchase. And you want that seller to provide some level of support after the sale. And when it comes to making that purchase and interacting with that person, if they provide an email address or a way to reach them, or you have questions about the site before the purchase, you want to make sure that they are responsive. They do provide you the answers that you're looking for. And you want to stick to using the Flippa service if that's the website you're going through as opposed to trying to circumvent the process if that seller were to contact you and say, hey, let's do this transaction off of Flippa so we don't have to pay the commissions or anything like that. You want to be very wary of doing anything like that because the service that Flippa provides is typically you'll have an escrow service where you'll send them the money. Once the website is successfully transferred, they will release the website to you and they handle that transaction to make sure everything's above board. You definitely want to make sure that you follow the process to make sure things go as smoothly as possible. So that first step is to make sure that you vet the seller as much as you possibly can. Ask questions, get feedback before you make any sort of purchase. Get that contact going. If you need to, if possible, get in touch with that person. Maybe have a Skype call or something to make sure they're a legit person. They're willing to help you make that purchase. And of course, depending on the purchase price, the higher the price, the more that you're going to want to make sure that you're vetting everything along the way in the process. And the next few tips remind me of the process of buying a used car. So that's kind of what I equate this entire process of buying a website and it's very similar in those types of things you want to do to make sure you get a great deal on a good used car. So if you go in there, take a look at the website, take a look at the car you're interested in purchasing and the car looks great on the outside, it's got a really low price, those are the two key factors that are probably going to attract you to a deal initially. So if the car looks great, has a really low price, you're thinking this might be the car for me. And in many cases, people make purchase decisions based on that alone. And the same goes for websites. If you take a look at the website, it looks really good. Things look really professional and the price is low. That has your attention right from the beginning. But you want to make sure that you take those extra steps and do your due diligence to make sure that you're really getting a good deal and you're not going to end up with a lemon down the road. So along those lines, we're going to start looking underneath the hood. We're going to pop the hood, take a look at some of the mechanicals of the website and try to make the best possible determination as to whether you're going to be able to have success with this website. So tip number two is that you're going to want to run that website URL through a duplicate content checker like SiteLiner or CopyScan. And running it through SiteLiner actually provides some additional details too, and you can do so for free. And that's exactly what I did with Marvin's website that he gave me to check out. So I typed in his website URL into SiteLiner.com, and then it provided all details. It searched, I think it looked through about 200 different articles 
on that site. It'll check, I think, 200 for free. And then it provided details on percentage of duplicate content, and it provided a lot of other useful information too that will be helpful to you, like average words per piece of content, average load time for the pages on the website, all sorts of useful information. But the main thing that I was looking for for his particular website was the duplicate content percentage since there are so many articles on there that were aggregated from other websites out there. So as I suspected, it did have a high component of duplicate content on that site. So that was something I let him know. I said, hey, the the concern with these types of websites is that if it's aggregating content from all these other sites and it's an automated process where you're not really planning to create your own unique content, over time that's just going to continue to be more and more of a factor and that's going to be something that's really hard to overcome in the eyes of Google. If you're trying to rank that content, it's going to see those popular news authority websites where that content is coming from as the authority those websites have been out there for years and years. They have a lot of trust, a lot of authority in the eyes of Google and they know that that content is original on those sites and that your site is not the original place for that content. So you're most likely going to get a duplicate content penalty at some point and that's going to make it really difficult to rank your website and the content on your website. So any amount of link building that you do, any amount of additional steps that you try to do to get your content to rank may be all for not if Google sees that as duplicate content. There's really no other way to get around that other than reducing the amount of duplicate content on your site by creating your own unique content. And if you were going to have some articles that automatically come in from the RSS feeds of some other news-related websites, you could no-index those pages after they go live and then create your own unique content. But in his particular case, he wasn't planning to actually go out there and create new content. He wanted to kind of have a hands-off approach and have that information come into his website and have his site kind of be an aggregator from all these different other news websites out there and then put either ads or a affiliate product links or other things on that website and just have it kind of be hands off. But that's really difficult to do if you're going to have that high level of duplicate content on your site. So that was tip number two. Definitely check that site for duplicate content so that you know what you're getting into. And if you are going to try to be ranking that content to get Google organic traffic, you want to make sure that you have the best chance of being able to rank. So you want to have as little duplicate content as possible. And that takes us to tip number three. Check the backlink profile for the website. So what you can do is you can plug that website URL into a site like Majestic SEO or Monitor Backlink links.com to see what links that website has from other websites. So you want to see where people are linking to that website. And you want to do two things when you're doing this. The first one is to make sure that you don't have a bunch of spammy backlinks from foreign websites that maybe somebody purchased a huge set of backlinks from a really unreputable website or somebody's linking to that website from all sorts of unrelated websites out there, like Russian websites are one common place where a lot of people get really spammy backlinks from. So you want to make sure, number one, it doesn't have a huge backlink profile of thousands of links from other foreign countries with unrelated backlinks, because that's something that could get your website penalized. And number two, preferably you would like to see links to that website 
over time that are related have good anchor text so it has varied anchor text and what that means is for example if you have a link from another site to your new website that you're looking to purchase and the anchor text is click here that's a common thing that somebody might say so it'd be good to have a couple of those and let's say the article is about survival camping gear Maybe the one of the links has survival camping gear and the, in the um, link anchor text. So if that's the name of the website or the website has something to do with survival camping gear, which was not at all Marvin's topic, by the way. It's just something that I saw when I was looking out on flipping myself to do research for this episode. But that was one of the websites that I saw for sale out there. So what you're looking for is a good backlink profile, ideally if If the site has a number of different backlinks, maybe they're from high page authority websites and plugging that website into a tool like monitorbacklinks.com or something similar will show you at least for free some of the different backlinks that are going to that site. So if you do see some backlinks and some of them are from high ranking websites, you can know that some time and effort has gone into that site to try to get some of those backlinks. And the better the backlink profile looks, the better that site might be. So you're looking for non-spammy links. If you see a bunch of spammy links, that's a red flag. And if you see no backlinks whatsoever, as long as that person is selling that website as a site that isn't getting a lot of traffic, they're not saying that it has high quality backlinks or anything like that, that's perfectly fine as long as they're disclosing that up front. But a good backlink profile can go a long way towards helping that site rank over time. So that is one other factor that I would definitely look for as well. And that brings us to tip number four, which is for established sites, if they are saying that they have a certain amount of traffic or they're showing traffic statistics, like maybe Google Analytics screenshots or things like that, you want to make absolutely sure that the information that they're telling you is valid. And it's very easy to do so. As long as they're a reputable seller, they should not have a problem doing this for you. And what they can do is provide you read access to their Google Analytics statistics. And that all they basically do is set you up with a read-only account in their stats to your email address and then you would have access to log in and check those stats yourself so you could verify exactly what you want to see. You could check the various time frames. You could see how much traffic they got. You could see some of the keywords that they got traffic for. Assuming again that they're saying they are getting traffic and they do have rankings now, you can verify that information for yourself firsthand and you absolutely should do so. And that brings us to our last tip, which is tip number five. Don't fall in love with a particular website. Just like buying a used car, it can happen. If you go out there and you find the exact used car you want and you're trying to make that deal and things just don't work out, a lot of times you may overpay, you may do whatever it takes to get that car because you really want that one car. But in reality, if you go to another dealer or you search websites online, you're probably going to find a very similar car with very similar features somewhere else that you can get for the price that you wanted and all the different terms that you wanted with a good backlink profile for a website, etc., etc. Don't fall in love with that one particular website. There will be other opportunities out there for you to find a similar website. Most likely there's probably other websites out there in that same niche you're interested in possibly. So you could probably find other sites right away. Or if you don't see exactly what you're looking for, you can wait. Inevitably, sites will come out that meet your criteria and have that criteria up front. If you're interested in a website that does have, say, six months of established traffic, made one or two affiliate sales, and you want to see a backlink profile that has at least 10 quality backlinks, whatever your criteria is, have that in mind before you go out there to purchase a website or make a bid on a website and stick to that criteria. 
Don't fall in love with the website because you like how this particular website looks and all the other factors don't line up. Have that criteria up front and be prepared to walk away if it doesn't meet your criteria or if the bid gets over a certain amount. So have that criteria up front and don't stray from it. Don't fall in love with that website and overbid, get wrapped up in the bidding process and just pay too much for the website. You don't want to have buyer's remorse. You want to have the best possible chance that that money that you have, you've done the research, you've done all the steps that we've talked about here today. So you're setting yourself up with the best chance for a success. You don't want to go and blow that just getting wrapped up in the moment and falling in love with a particular website. So those are the five tips. We'll recap them and then I'll give you one quick bonus tip for after the sale. So that first tip was to try to vet that seller the best way you possibly can. So see if they have previous sales, see if they have good feedback, and see if they have you know, a normal looking picture, will respond to your questions that you have in a timely manner. That's gonna go a long way to tell you whether or not they're gonna be able to provide good service after the sale. So vet that seller is number one. Number two is to run that site through a duplicate content checker. I recommend checking out that free version of SiteLiner.com. It'll provide you some other information that's useful to you. Step number three was to check the backlink profile through a site like MonitorBacklinks.com. And hopefully they have a good backlink profile that is not filled with spammy links. Number four was for sites with established traffic and rankings. You want to make sure that the Google Analytics stats that they're quoting are valid. So you want to ask for read-only access to their Google Analytics stats so that you can verify that information for yourself. And the last tip was not to fall in love with a particular website. You want to make sure that it meets your criteria for the type of website that you're looking for, and you want to have a set price in mind before you make a purchase. If you can't get that website for the price you want with the criteria you're looking for, you just let it go and you wait till the next one comes around or you go looking for a site that will meet those needs. And one quick bonus tip for after the sale when you do decide to make a purchase and if you get that winning bid or you make a buy now type of purchase where you purchase it right away, no matter how much you might trust that particular seller, you want to make sure that you limit their access to your website. And in many cases, you're going to want to have them transfer that website over to you if possible. That makes it the easiest way. You don't have to worry about getting the files, how you're going to get them into your hosting provider. Of course, they can always help you with that process. But in many cases, you're going to want to have that person transfer that website over over to your hosting provider and get that taken care of. And there's a couple of different things I would suggest when it comes to doing that. If it were me and I had several established websites like I do now, I would purchase a separate hosting account. You can keep a separate hosting account with your same hosting provider, and that's absolutely what I would do. I would purchase a separate account for any websites that I purchase through a site like Flippa just to make 100% certain that your websites that you have now are not going to be compromised in any way. They're not going to have any outages as a result of somebody accidentally doing something they shouldn't. That's just what I would do. I would have a separate account for any sites that I purchase like that. And in many cases, if you've already done this vetting process, chances are things are going to go fine. If it's an experienced seller with good feedback, they know what they're doing. They're going to be able to transfer their website over to your account without any problem. But it's always good to prepare ahead of time just in case something does happen because inevitably something could happen. At an absolute minimum, if you didn't want to purchase a separate hosting account for sites that you were going to purchase, you would want to make sure 
that you have full backups for all your other websites that you have in that hosting account. Of course, that's something you're going to want to do anyway. But before you give anyone access to anything in your account, you want to make sure you have full backups of all your other sites. That way you can recover in the event something goes drastically wrong. And also, when you're allowing someone to import a website into your account, you want to give them access to only that particular site. So you can do that through your cPanel account. Give them access to only a specific website so that they don't have full access to everything in your account. That's going to be key whether or not you purchase a separate hosting account specifically for sites that you do purchase. And I just briefly wanted to mention one other thing about website values and what you could expect to pay for a website. Of course, that definitely varies depending on the type of website. So you might be able to spend $100 or so on a website that has the framework set up, has a theme installed, maybe has a couple of one or two pieces of unique content, but it really doesn't have any rankings, traffic, or sales. That could be a good framework that you want to get started with. But when it comes to sites that have a proven track record of sales and things like that, whether it's affiliate sales, Amazon sales, whatever it might be, drop shipping, different types of sites might have different valuations. But in general, because Flippa doesn't do a lot of vetting as far as the websites that people sell on their website go, the valuations would typically be lower than another type of site where they do a lot of vetting for those websites. It's really known as a huge marketplace where anybody can go out there and sell sites, but they don't do a lot of vetting. So for that reason, the multiples can be lower than other sites like an Empire Flippers, which is another website out there that does sell websites, but they're usually much bigger websites that have really established sales and track records. And on Flippa, what, if a site does have, let's say, a couple of months of recurring revenue, so they've made $100 of affiliate sales for the last three months in a row, in many cases, you can kind of expect to pay a 10 times multiple. So what that means is if a website has $100 worth of sales for the last three months in a row, you might expect to pay 10 times that or $1,000 for that website. And that's not a tried and true, you know, hard and fast rule that you need to follow. But generally speaking, when I'm out there, that's kind of what I've seen, and that's that would kind of be in line. Anything around that same type of range would be normal for a site that does have some rankings, does have some traffic, does have some proven sales over a couple of months. But a site like an Empire Flippers, they do vet the websites, they'll check the backlink profiles, they'll look for duplicate content, they'll prove out those sales, they'll do a lot of those steps that we already mentioned in here. But in exchange, they're going to want something in return for their time, so they actually charge anywhere from a 20 times to a 36 times multiple for monthly revenue. So if that same site is being listed on Empire Flippers and it has $100 a month of income for the last several months, instead of paying around $1,000 on Flippa, you're probably going to pay anywhere from $2,000 to $3,600 on a site like Empire Flippers because they've done a lot of the vetting for you. So that could have some value for you, but the idea behind this episode is that hopefully with some of these tips, if you are interested in making a purchase of a website, you can do some of these steps yourself, save you that extra money, and use it to help build out those sites that you purchased or maybe purchase additional sites in the future. So that's the intention for this episode. Hopefully you guys really enjoyed the tips, and if you're thinking about purchasing a website, hopefully 
hopefully you have a lot better idea of what to look for and you feel more confident in doing so. And to get those five tips delivered right to your email, you can head over to nichesitetools.com forward slash the number five tips. So nichesitetools.com forward slash five tips and you'll get that guide right in your email and you'll also get that one bonus tip for after the sale. Thanks again to Marvin for the inspiration for this week's episode and we'll catch you again next time. Bye-bye now. 